0: Today is Tuesday, March 30th, 2021. On this day in 1981, John Warnock Hinckley Jr. attempted to assassinate President Ronald Reagan. Although the president survived the attack and fully recovered, others weren't so lucky. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a Spotify original from Parcast. Due to the graphic nature of this case, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes discussions of stalking, violence, and murder that some people may find offensive. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. Today, we're covering the attempted assassination of President Ronald Reagan. Let's go back to Washington, D.C. on March 30th, 1981, just before 2.30 in the afternoon. Former Hollywood actor Ronald Reagan, who'd been president of the United States for only 69 days, had just delivered an address at the Washington Hilton Hotel in Washington, DC. Reagan exited the hotel into the rainy, early spring afternoon. He was flanked by an entourage as they passed by hundreds of excited people, hoping for a glimpse of the 70-year-old president. Reagan smiled effusively and lifted his left arm in a wave, acknowledging his supporters. As the group angled toward the limousine waiting out front, they didn't notice one man who was standing with a group of reporters. But 25-year-old John Hinckley Jr. soon got their attention by raising his 22 caliber revolver. Before Reagan even lowered his arm from the wave, Hinckley emptied the six-bullet chamber in his direction. Reagan later told Larry King that he thought someone had set off fireworks. In the immediate chaos, the president's colleagues, secret service agents, and local police officers all sprang into motion, guns drawn, in an attempt to protect the most powerful man in the world. Hinckley was immediately overpowered by about 10 armed men. The shooter was pinned on the ground, against a wall, and arrested. But the damage was done. Three bodies lay on the wet sidewalk. Hinckley had managed to shoot Secret Service agent Timothy McCarthy in his side, and one of his bullets lodged in the neck of DC cop Thomas Delahanty. Fortunately, they both made full recoveries from their injuries but White House Press Secretary James Brady was much more seriously hurt as the bullet went through his forehead and exploded. He was left in critical condition. The last bullet that Hinckley had aimed at the president didn't actually strike anyone at first. It struck the window of the limousine and then, unbelievably, ricocheted off and struck Reagan, entering below his left arm. Nobody, including the president himself, was immediately aware of the bullet wound. Right after he heard Hinckley's gunshots, Secret Service agent Jerry Parr shoved Reagan into the back seat of the limo head first, jumped in on top of him, and yelled at the driver to speed away. They both thought that Reagan had escaped the bullets, so they told the driver to take them back to the White House. But a few minutes into their drive, Reagan began to have trouble catching his breath. Parr asked him if he was okay and patted him down, searching for any injuries. Parr didn't notice anything on Reagan's body, but couldn't miss the foamy blood that began issuing from between the president's lips. While Reagan first used up his own handkerchief and then Parr's to soak up the blood, the driver corrected the limo's course to head for the hospital. When they arrived at George Washington University Hospital, the wounded president insisted on walking himself inside the building on his own power and simply told a nurse he was having a little trouble breathing. After examination, hospital staff realized that Reagan's wound had been very close to being fatal. The shot had lodged in his left lung, just barely missing his heart. Before he was rushed into surgery, Reagan took a moment to joke to First Lady Nancy Reagan, Honey, I forgot to duck, a line borrowed from boxer Jack Dempsey. He then famously quipped to his surgeons, Please tell me you're Republicans. Coming up, we'll explore John Hinckley's bizarre motivation for wanting to kill President Reagan. Hi listeners, it's Vanessa from Parcast. If you haven't had a chance to check out my series Mythology, you don't know what you're missing. Heroes, gods, monsters, and mayhem, this podcast has it all. Every Tuesday, take a deep dive back in time, exploring the history, origins, and meaning behind the myths that have shaped the Earth. Each episode of Mythology dramatizes a story pulled from beliefs from around the world, giving insight into how our ancestors saw the universe and how those stories resonate in our lives today. Recent episodes include the epic battle between Hercules and Theseus, the grieving spirit known as La Llorona, and a treacherous journey to the land of the dead. Catch new episodes every Tuesday and binge the classics anytime. Follow Mythology free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Now back to the story. On March 30th, 1981, John Hinckley Jr. haphazardly sprayed six bullets out of his revolver, only hitting his target, President Ronald Reagan, by a stroke of luck. After a two-hour surgery, the Commander-in-Chief was on his way to recovery and even started working from his hospital bed the next day. In fact, it's said he joked to his White House aides that morning, greeting them with, Hi fellas, I knew it would be too much to hope that we could skip a staff meeting. And though the president was in good spirits, the same could not be said for Hinckley. He was charged with attempting to assassinate the President of the United States, obviously a very serious crime. In 1982, Hinckley's trial came to a close. In court, the driving force behind Hinckley's desire to kill President Reagan also came to light. He was trying to impress 19 year old actress Jodie Foster. After multiple viewings of Martin Scorsese's 1976 film, Taxi Driver, in which Foster portrays a teenage sex worker, Hinckley had fallen in love with her, and the main character of the movie, Travis Bickle, plans to assassinate a politician. Hinckley had already tried pursuing Foster by writing her letters, calling her on the phone, stalking her, and even following her to Yale University, where she was a freshman. But Foster rebuffed his creepy advances and asked him to leave her alone. Somehow, Hinckley came to the realization that to win her over, he needed to emulate Travis Bickle, and there was no better politician to target than the President of the United States." Needless to say, not only did Hinckley fail to murder President Reagan, but his actions also did not win him Jodie Foster's heart. The jury took his bizarre motive into account and in June of 1982, Hinckley was found not guilty by reason of insanity. The verdict was a shock to many at the time who had expected him to have the book thrown at him. But his defense had successfully argued that Hinckley suffered from narcissistic personality disorder and he was committed to St. Elizabeth's Hospital for psychiatric care. And though President Reagan went on to have a happy and healthy two terms in office, Hinckley's assassination attempt had far-reaching effects. The injuries White House Press Secretary James Brady sustained due to the shooting tragically left him with brain damage and wheelchair-bound for the rest of his life. Because of what he went through, he advocated for stronger gun control. In 1993, the Brady Bill was passed, which enforced background checks and waiting periods for gun sales. When Brady died on August 4, 2014, his death was ruled a homicide caused by the injuries Hinckley inflicted. And yet, murder charges against Hinckley were not pursued, partly as a result of Hinckley's previous not guilty by reason of insanity plea. And by the late 1990s, his legal team posited that he was no longer a threat or mentally ill, and the hospital eased their restrictions. After testing him out with a few years of supervised day trips and visits to his parents, St. Elizabeth's Hospital granted 61-year-old Hinckley a conditional release in 2016. He settled in Williamsburg, Virginia with his older brother and their mother. He got into the business of selling used books and antiques, although without revealing his identity. His social worker described him as a continuing success story. Ronald Reagan didn't live to see Hinckley become a free man. He passed away in 2004. However, he probably wouldn't have been angry to see Hinkley walk free. In 1990, Reagan appeared on Larry King Live. King asked Reagan if he were angry at Hinkley. The president replied that once he learned about Hinckley's issues with mental illness, he forgave his attacker. Reagan said, If I wanted healing for myself then maybe he should have some healing for himself. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. For more stories like this one, check out the Spotify original from Parcast, Crimes of Passion. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Bruce Kitovich. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Christine Colby with writing assistance by Terrell Wells and Alex Benedon and fact checking by Bennett Logan. I'm Vanessa Richardson.